Welcome to The Mockingcast, the podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm David Zoll, your host, and in just a few moments, I'll be joined by my co-hosts, Sarah Condon and RJ Heyman. We come to you every other Friday to explore a few of the places where we currently see grace and its absence playing out in unexpected and compelling ways. We're glad to have you with us. Praise the Lord. Happy July to you too, and happy July to all of our listeners. We're going to do something a little bit um, experimental. While we are sort of traveling and uh, with our families this month, we decided to record a number. <laughs> the word experimental makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> Keep going, Dave. Traveling, 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 traveling. That's my Joni Mitchell impression. Well, okay. be that as it may, uh, we wanted to uh, do a couple of mini episodes, mini episodes that we could sort of record at one time. But also, I think, Sarah, you were reading a book by Kathleen Norris. Um, What's it called yeah, again? She wrote a book called Amazing Grace, A Vocabulary of Faith. And in it, she kind of, you know, Kathleen Norris came to faith a little bit later in life and in a pretty unconventional way. And so she breaks down these really kind of overused church words, theological mm-hmm. words, um, gives a little bit of theology, but really talks about how they've impacted her own life. And so I thought that could be a fun thing for us to do. I guess there is a tendency within our little community, and not just our, our both the, the three of us, but just within wider mockingbird circles and even Christian circles, period, where we use terms almost uh, as though they, they make perfect sense to everyone. And sometimes the same terms mean different things to different people. So we'll see how it goes. These are going to be by no means exhaustive, of course not, but we... Um, um, here we go. We're going to begin with just a very light topic, which is the topic of the bondage of the will. There's there's no subject that will get people upset more quickly than, especially if you tell them, hey, you know, you actually don't have as much willpower as you think you do. Even if we're phrasing that in terms of diet or we're phrasing that in terms of, you know, relationally rather than in spiritually or God terms. We're not even talking about determinism, and that's something different. It was in Jesus and in Paul, and then Augustine really picked it up pretty strongly. And then we had uh, Luther, uh, Martin Luther, writing an entire book called On the Bondage of the Will that he wrote to Erasmus, which was where he found that the entire gospel message was, um, and everything you're talking about at Grace, really depends on what you think people are capable of. And if if it's really just a matter of telling people what they should do and um, urging them to do it um, as though their wills are free, then that's really what this, the church should be. We should be getting up there, and that's what should be the primary goal of Christianity, which would be to sort of outline what's good. And uh, what Luther argued from Scripture and from Augustine and from Paul and from Jesus was that people are actually not as free as they would like to think. In fact, far less free than they'd like to think. This doesn't mean we don't have a will. Sometimes when you people say the bondage of the will, they think, oh, you mean I, do, I can't choose between, you know, green socks and blue socks? And that's not what we're talking about. We, we're th- the, as It's the old Fitz Allison idea that the alcoholic is free to choose between beer and whiskey and wine. <laughs> They're just not free not to drink. Or in, in mm. Christian terms, we were just... We're free to do any number of things. We're just not free to choose God for the right reasons. 
And it's the key to, I think, loving other people and to having compassion not only for those in your congregation, but those in your family, and of course, even with yourself. If you understand that people are not as free, what is it? Everyone is uh, carrying a heavy load. Everyone is in some kind of pain. They're fighting a mighty battle, as it were, and they're losing. Um, but bondage of the will, let me toss it to you guys. I've got some things to read, but let, what do you, uh, when you hear that term, what, what do you think people need to hear? What, what is, how does it connect with you right now? I mean, honestly, I would love to hear RJ just weigh in because that was one of my favorite things to listen to RJ talk about when we worked at the same church just because you were the first person that kind of pointed out, and maybe it was a quote from somewhere, but it always stayed with me that like, if you get in front of people to preach and you look out and you see a bunch of people who like have all this autonomy and can make all these choices for themselves, like you're going to hate them because you're going to tell them things to do and they're not going to do it, right? But if you look out on those people and you see that their, their will is bound, maybe even that your will is bound as a preacher, then like you look out at them with love. I mean, it's a completely, you don't even see the same thing when you're looking out in a congregation, when you remember that you're preaching to people who have a bound will. Um, I mean, I find that I often start my sermons. When I write my sermons, I often write like people don't have a bound will. I find that I often am very like, and here's what you need to do. And then I have to go through the process of reminding myself of that. Um, I'm hoping that that gets easier <laughs> with me preaching more regularly. But, um, you know, my husband, whenever we talk about sermons and I, and it's like the same conversation every time I preach, he'll come to him and I'll be like, I don't know. It just, I feel like I'm so mean right now. And he's like, are you really seeing them though? Like when you're writing the sermon, are you really seeing them? Um, so. That's really sweet of you to, to say, Sarah. It's interesting. As you were talking, it reminded me, I can't remember who said this, but that if you... If you think that people are free, then you'll end up trying to bind them. But if you mm. think they're bound, then you'll end up trying to free them. You know, mm -hmm. so it's like, are you going to preach freedom or are you going to preach control and self-discipline? And when I think with the bondage of the will, I think um, what Dave said, you know, that knowing the right thing to do is not the same as doing it. And it doesn't actually, you know, knowing the right thing to do doesn't help you do the right thing. You know, someone once said, uh, you know, 1930s Germany was the most educated culture in the history of the world, <laughs> you know, and then they perpetrated the Holocaust. Right. That education is not the answer. Um, so that's one way to think about it. I really, as I was thinking about how to talk about this, I think the most powerful way to talk about it is in terms of romantic relationships. And I want to talk to all the people out there right now who are single, who are listening, and who are who are dying to be in a romantic love relationship with someone else. Because I know for me and for people that I've talked to that were in that situation, what you tend to do is build an image in your mind of the of the person you want to be with, the perfect person, right? The the ideal image of who your spouse or your love interest might be. When you actually fall in love with someone, it ends up being the exact opposite of everything you ever thought you wanted. And I've I find I found that to be just about universally true. Now I'm sure there's someone out there who 
has fallen in love with the exact image of who they thought they wanted. But what I have found to be true is that you f- falling in love is not something you can control. And that's why I love talking about it in terms of the bondage of the will, because you can't choose who you love. You can't choose what you love. It just kind of happens. And Ashley Null talking about Thomas Cranmer and his book, uh, Cranmer's Doctrine of Repentance, um, says something profound about Thomas Cranmer, who is the Anglican reformer who sort of started the Anglican Church, which the Episcopal Church is the American version of the Anglican Church, which is just the Church of England. He, I'm learning so much. He said, <laughs> he said that um, for Cranmer, what the heart loves, the will chooses, and the mind justifies. To me, that's powerful because it's true that we are heart-driven. We are love-driven, and you can't choose what you love. So when people object to this idea of the bondage of the will, if they've been in love or they're married to someone, it's like, well, did you choose to fall in love with your husband? Did you choose to fall in love with your wife? Now, if you did, I don't know, that seems really sad. (laughs) Because it says, it is, right? it's, it's, you know, because there are moments in your marriage when choice is not going to be enough, when you just, well, it, it needs to, it needs to be spontaneous. It needs to come from the yes. heart. It needs to be yes. in love, romantic love. Yes. I can't help it. I can't choose you. I want you. Maybe you're not even the best thing for me. Maybe I'm the best thing yeah. for you. But, but to me, that's a powerful example of us not being as free as we wish we were. Because if we were, then we would all end up with exactly the person that we thought we wanted. But Mm -hmm. we don't. We end up with the person that we need, that God has for us. And it's a gift, not a choice. Um, And because of that, it's much more powerful and real. So... No, we also talk about man is curved in on himself, like that 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 Augustine, uh, Augustinian language, which is really the, just the, simply that the, the the human sort of point of reference is 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 the backbone is curved. We we find it impossible to escape the gravity well of self interest, is how it's put on our website, and that and we're often unconscious of that fact, even as it drives our behavior. I remember RJ, uh, you were there, Sarah. I think you were there. Too too, when, um, when uh, Jonathan Haidt, the social psychologist who's now world famous, spoke at our conference in New York, and he had read something of ours on the site where we'd, you t- we'd you talked about Ashley Knoll's paraphrasing of Kramer. He said, that is exactly right. Basically, all of his sort of field of academia and social science had confirmed what Cranmer was saying, which was really, really what uh, Augustine was, Luther was saying, what Augustine was saying, what, you know, uh, Paul was saying, what Jesus was, in fact, living out. And, um, but if people find it too hard to say, well, um, I, you can't tell me my will is bound. I, I'm a, I, the freedom is all I got. I'm I mean, a free agent, baby. You just say, listen, well, at least you're not as free as you think you are, because no one is free mm-hmm. to, we can do all sorts of things, but we can't choose why we do them. You know, and that's the, I think that, that, I think even Einstein was talking about that, that that's like the, you can't, um, true freedom would be to choose the right thing for the right reason. And the right reason is because you want to do it, not that you've chosen it. So it's like this massive kind of, you know, you can understand why people start to fight about this. Um, Well, you, it, it reminds me a little bit of the last conversation we had where we were talking about high mm self-esteem and it's like, you know, it's really high self-esteem sociopaths. (laughs) It's like, you know, who really is free in their will. Sociopaths, like I, I do want to say, like I've been shocked 
um, personally, uh, as to how early this this Roman seven kind of thing mm. starts. Um, I was putting our daughter to bed uh, actually just a few weeks ago, and um, our daughter is like I always tell people it's like raising like one of those um, emojis with the heart eyes. Like she just is she's always the sweetest kid in her class. Like that's what the teachers say. She, you know, she's like the rule follower. And so she was like really smiley and um, really, you know, chattering about her day. And then she said, I was really mean to this little girl today. And I was like, I was so caught off guard. I like turned to her and I was like, I was like, wait, why, why were you mean to her? And she said, well, the, the other little girls were mean to her. And then she started to just like gutturally cry. And she said, and I couldn't help myself. And I was like, oh, oh my, I mean, like all I could think, I think God didn't say it, uh, was this is Romans 7, Annie, like this is happening right in front of me. You know, I mean, it was just this like, and all I could do was just like bring her, you know, a, a literally against my chest, like get on the bed and just let her cry. Um, because it was that first like moment of being like, I I'm doing the things I don't want to do, you know? Um, anyway, it was, I just, it was, she's so little. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so like innate and in us. Uh, well, and then you That's have, powerful. you really do have, you know, that, that I love how you said it, RJ, if you see people as free, you will end up binding them. And if you see them as bound, you will end up freeing yes. them. And this has everything to do with the gospel. Cause like a, a we all have our Annie moments, I think, where, and, yes. and our, what we call Romans 7 moments, because there's a lot of scripture about people saying one thing and doing another, or being conflicted and not really in control of themselves. But Romans 7 is the one that you read that to basically anyone on the, on the planet. The good that I want to do, I don't do. Instead of the evil that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Who will deliver me from this body of death? That is the great, you, you read that to people in almost any context. If there's any degree of transparency or honesty, they will say they will not. At least that that's been true of them at some point, and usually the definitive moments of their life. But that is, of course, where real love also happens. You want to say one last thing, RJ? Just, I want to talk scripture about the Gospels. Just two brief things come to mind talking about the bondage of the will. One is the Sermon on the Mount. If you don't believe in the bondage of the will, then just go stop lusting. Okay, stop lusting. <laughs> stop worrying. And stop, and stop worrying. Stop and worrying. stop being angry and be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. If you can't do those things, then you need to agree on some level the will is bound, okay? The right. other classic story to me is the rich young ruler, right? This young man who comes to Jesus, he's got it all together. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says to him, keep the commandments. And man says, all these I have done since I was a boy. Sure you have. Then Jesus asks him to do the one thing he cannot do. Go and sell all you have, give to the poor, then come follow me. You'll have riches in heaven. And the young man walks away sad because he cannot, he is constitutionally incapable of doing the thing that Jesus demands. Now, if he'd fallen on his knees and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, I can't do that. I think the story would have turned out differently. But in that moment, I think Jesus is showing him, showing this rich, young, I'm in control, I'm self-determined, I'm keeping the law, I can do it, young man, mm -hmm. the limits mm -hmm. of his obedience, the limits of his willpower. He cannot do the thing that Jesus asks him to do. And I think that's what Jesus does for us in our lives. He brings us to the end of ourselves in order that we might experience his mercy and his grace. As your brother says, uh, Dave, God's office is at the end of your rope. 
And uh, yeah. that's part, that's, that's the killing work of yeah, Jesus my brother uh, in also, our life. One time, I'll never forget, like I was, uh, it was, it was in college and I was dealing with a relationship and there was, it, was, it was sort of falling apart with a young woman. And uh, my older brother was visiting me and we were, uh, I was at, we were at a party and there was this other guy there who I knew was bad news and I knew was really, did not have my best interest at heart, shall we say. And uh, I said, you know, I just said to my brother, I said, John, I, I'm going to say something. I, I, like, I really want to say something. I know, but I know that the second I say something to her, uh, she's, she's going to, it's going to be, I'm going to be this needy guy trying to control her, tell her what to do. And he said, um, well, uh, the don't do it. And I went right in <laughs> and I said something. And I said, I know I shouldn't. Or, I mean, I'm just like, you're right. I could completely shouldn't. It's the wrong thing. It's you walk in, you're and like, I walk <clears> in and <throat> I say, uh, later that night. Excuse I, me, excuse me. I, I held out for about maybe two hours. And then this girl that I was really head over heels over, I just watched myself completely push her away. And it was, um. and then John, the next day, John was like, well, now you know what Christianity is actually about. <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> thanks. That was awesome. Next lesson, please. Older brother, older brother. Brothers are the best, aren't they? <laughs> Speaking as an oldest brother, I just want to say what a blessing they are. <laughs> okay, well, that's the end of uh, mini episode number one. Minnesota. Minnesota, excuse me. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can find us on the web at www.mbird.com. And we'd always love to hear from you at info at mbird.com. Audio production for The Mockingcast is provided by the Narrativo Group, and if you like what you've heard, please do drop over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Until next time. Hey.